Welcome everybody to Beat the Shift Baseball. This is episode 123 for Thursday, October 14th. I'm Alex Uwe. I'm here today with Ray Estrada and a very, very special guest, our good friend, Ben Rockness. And we... Yeah. Um, no, I was hoping you were going to introduce me as like the resident like Giants ambassador, but but that's cool. I'm, I'm okay with that. Well, you, you will be tonight at the very least because this postseason so far this October has been one to remember to this point mainly because we, we have the World Series matchup in the division series which is you, know, you don't get to see that every year but the Dodgers and the Giants for those of you who know Ray is our resident Dodger fanatic and I guess expert as well and Ben is essentially that for the Giants side of things uh, on the other side so we are going toe-to-toe ray versus ben they're not actually competing they're just gonna kind of yell at each other um but you know that that's our we're plan. not competing we oh, don't even yell at each other like. there will be no scoring process <laughs> there will be no scoring process involved tonight but we will talk about all of the division series action to this point and it has been very fascinating very unexpected for a lot of people as well so we'll get into all that before we do I just want to remind you to follow us on social media at BeatTheShiftBP, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Uh, that's the best place to get in touch with us. We want to hear what you think about these playoffs so far. And yeah, that's about it at BeatTheShiftBP. Did, did you say YouTube? You just told me about the YouTube like two minutes ago. Yeah, yeah, YouTube too. If, if, if you want to, if you want to. Punch that like button. Look! Look go. at you guys putting in the work here. I'm, I'm trying to help you with your brain. I'm dude, I'm just trying to keep, I mean? I'm just trying to keep it simple and you know not too much all at once you know because I I don't even get me started on the website. Whew, okay. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we will I promise get into the juicy Giants and Dodgers matchup for Game Five, which like I said it, it's going to be World Series Game Seven like mm. you you wouldn't believe and that is uh tomorrow thursday thursday night uh for those listening ahead of time if you listen after then you know we'll, let us know how what they did let us know how they did yeah, you're gonna <laughs> yeah, you're gonna hear some bad takes like you're gonna be oh you idiots like oh he's so dumb why did he say that it's like ah whatever only only good takes here ben i don't know if you've been paying okay. attention uh, don't look, just don't, just don't look at our brackets. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but the first thing that I have to ask you guys is more just from a fan perspective, because each of you were lucky enough to go to one of the division series games. Well, the wildcard game for Ray as well. Um, mm. And electric postseason environments from two teams that are no strangers to the playoffs, but it, it is both of your first year going, correct? first yes. time going uh, yeah so I, here, I, yeah. I do want to get those juicy first time impressions i've never been myself so i have no frame of reference you're, you're telling me and a lot of people out there have never had the chance to go what it's like to go to your first playoff game um for the giants and the, the dodgers so let's start with our guest ben tell us tell hey. us about tell us about the game tell us what it was like paint a picture yeah so I think the crazy thing to just imagine with all of the games, not even just the game that I went to, is that obviously because of last season and what's going on the past you know year and a half, two years, a lot of people were really itching to just get back into that specific playoff environment. Because like 
Ray, I'm sure you went to a few games this season, just in like the regular season. I know I went to a few and like, that's, that's cool and all like, you know, limited capacity or whatever it was, but this is just, you know, I need to be in like a sold out crowd. Everything's popping. And, you know, especially with this giants team, there's just so much anticipation around what was going to happen. Um, obviously getting there was a nightmare, but that's kind of a given with San Francisco. Um, but I mean, all I can really say is that disappoint didn't disappoint. I mean, you know, I was telling you guys earlier before the podcast, that specific game, there's just something about the spacing of all of the events of the game, you know, Buster Posey's Buster Posey's first inning home run is definitely the most ear damage I'm ever going to have in my entire life. Like it, cause I, I just remember like whispering to my dad, like, Oh, where he's got the green light on the three Oh, and then he hits it into the water. He's like, Oh, my God. and like, I, there, there are people just hobbling over, Obviously, like there's nothing better than the postseason game and ending it on like a strikeout, especially if it's your, you know, your home guy. Um, and all the, the the awesome events that happened throughout the game were just so electric. I just like it was almost overwhelming, but it was it was a surreal experience for sure. Did you did you get one of those those little rag things to, to twirl uh, in the air? The, the rally towel. The yeah, rally towels. on it, dude. Uh, my right arm was so sore when we were walking out just because like. I mean, because you wave it at pretty much anything. It doesn't have to be, like, anything significant. It's just, like, you stand up, you're yelling, just and just waving it all around. So, yeah, that's it's actually – I just put it up on my wall the other day, and it's uh, it's a fun little memento. Nice. And I, I'll, I'll ask as well, what, what percentage of the time would you say you spent on your feet for that game, compared to a uh, regular season game especially? It Well, compared to a regular season game, like, 300%. I mean, it's – I felt bad because for anyone that doesn't know, I'm 6'2", um, and there is this nice, very short family sitting directly behind us. And obviously, <laughs> like I couldn't help myself for a lot of different stuff going on. So, you know, I, I try to be considerate of that sometimes, but other times it's like, okay, listen, if you're at a Giants playoff game, you have to know that these moments weren't standing up. So, you know, I'm going to do what I'm going to do. I'll try to be as courteous as I can and make some nice conversation, but... Um, like I said, especially with how many different events throughout the game happened that warranted like just like a screaming response, I was probably up at least every other batter. Very cool, very cool. And I'll, I, you know, mirrored question for Ray. Uh, any any distinct differences to what Ben described at Dodger Stadium for really a one game elimination game yeah, first I mean, off, <laughs> and then the division series as well. I. Yeah, going into the one game playoff, like it was just the excitement that I'm at a, a playoff game, I think, and kind of just putting myself in the game in a way, like being in a dugout, sort of, but you know, being however many hundred feet away up in the stands. But it's just you're you're in it, you're involved in every pitch, and yeah, it's I mean anything, two outs, two strikes, you're on your feet waving the towel. Um, it's it was an amazing experience, and then to to cap it off with a walk off to have that Oof. moment was the dream. Uh, unreal. <laughs> deafening, yeah. deafening. Even I could. Oh imagine. yeah, I mean, we didn't even see the ball go over the fence. As soon as that ball left that bat, we knew it was, you know, it was over. And yeah, you just started jumping and high fiving and hugging people. <laughs> yeah, Ray, I just I just thought about something. The difference between like your game and my game is that like with the game one, you know, there's there's like the safety net of knowing like okay, well at least. Like, you know, if we lose, like, you know, I don't have to go home all, like too sad or anything. There's a certain level of cheering that's way different with an elimination game where it's just like, oh, yeah, you want to scream your head off. But also it's like, 
oh my god, I'm so scared right now. Like, oh, yeah, I, no, I don't the, want to be at the game where we go home. Yeah. The, the the nervousness set in around the seventh or eighth inning. Like, <laughs> just like it's like, oh, you know, Cardinals get a couple base runners, just tied one one. Don't get <laughs> just oh, this stressful. And honestly, if the Giants had won Game Two, I was not going to go to Game Three. I wasn't going to be there for Oof. the Dodgers to get swept by the Giants. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. No, even even like you know, as passionate of a Giants fan as I am, I don't think anybody wanted to see that that be a sweep for either team. Honestly, like I, it just it wouldn't have been good for baseball. It's kind of just like, eh, you know, like kind of fizzled out, like whatever. Like eh, baseball's done a lot of things that isn't good for baseball. So what's let's, the yeah. Dodgers or Giants sweeping yeah. the series? Yeah, let's just be happy we got a game five. But anyway, so. mm-hmm. it it's gonna be crazy. I have. I guess uh, a tandem pair of questions uh, for your head-to-head experiences here. Which one of you thinks you had the better food? I don't know if you had food at the ballpark even, but which one of you thinks you had Ooh, better food at your I ballpark? Just had dogs. And also, which one of you thinks you enjoyed more adult beverages or the effects of adult beverages <laughs> for your, for I, your playoff I went experience? I with my mom, so I, I could definitely have a couple more than – that I might be willing to. Mm, nice. Mostly, but, uh, Not everybody would say yeah, that about going out to a sporting event or anywhere with their mom. So that's really cool. Yeah, like, I know. Shout out to Ray's yeah, mom. I have a driver, I mean. Yeah, yeah I know, Ray's I know. But like a lot of people would be thinking like, I can't do that in front of my mom. Are you kidding me? Like, <laughs> yeah. Oh, no, mom, yeah, we went to a brewery beforehand. Yeah. Both times. Shout out Ray's mom. Ray's mom. Shout out to what about, that one time at our game. What sweet. about you, Ben? Uh, um, so yeah, well, I went with my dad, so actually it's, yeah, it's the, it's kind of the opposite feeling. I wouldn't probably want to do it with my mom, but with my dad, like he was the one pushing more and like, Hey, let me get you like an eight Oh five, like, you know, on my dime. And then funny story. He actually left cause game time was like, I think it was six thirty seven. He left at six to go get food. And I told him like, I'm too nervous. I got to stay here. And he got back with like these chicken sandwiches. It was like skinless breast or uh, chicken breast at like 638 so he just missed like first pitch which i felt really bad about but he didn't see the mine that was bomb but um i know ray is uh more of a can put down a few more beverages than i so i'm gonna defer to ray on the alcohol intake there probably yeah. i don't know how the craft beer selection is at at eight at well i was called 18 oracle um, or oracle <laughs> t-mobile park what um sbc um wrong state wrong state same coast but nice try sbc oh, I <laughs> t-mobile that's the old I, I, now, yeah i know Safeco in Seattle? like five there's, there's years of... five years from now it could totally be right like you, you never know yeah lone <laughs> yeah, depot right. park in miami because everybody uh, knows that uh, uh, but but uh i'm sure oracle has some pretty good crap beer selection or the california has some very good breweries up yes. there but the cra- the craft beer selection at Dodger Stadium I was very impressed with there's some good uh, uh, there's some uh, good ones in there all right for those of you that are intrigued with that side of the baseball experience I got you I got you um and I I, I think that that did a pretty good job of of painting a picture because you can mm-hmm. you can watch it on tv and you see the crowd you hear the crowd um but it's a totally different thing, you know, planning your, your whole day, your whole week around that experience and the anticipation. So thanks for sharing that, guys. For sure. All right. I also just want to share, share the quirk of I went to three Dodgers games this year, and all three were started by Max Scherzer. Did you, ex- would you if, if I told you that in March, would you believe me? Um, <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. I would, I would not have, I would not have uh, thought that 
you were gonna be correct. <laughs> he would he would have been like, "Who do we trade away?" Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, we have lots more Dodgers Giants to talk about. We're gonna take a break from that whole side of things and get into the best of the rest. The playoffs so far have been really really fun. Unless you're a Yankees fan, um. So I'm just gonna like kind of just wallow in self pity over here. Mm-hmm. Um, no, trust me, Yankees fans are not heartbroken about this one at all. Like, every, every single Yankees fan that you ask will tell you, our team sucked this year. And it was mm. miraculous that they, they put together the run that they did to get themselves to the wildcard game. But yeah, starting with that AL wildcard game, um, it was kind of an open and shut game very quickly. Maybe the least anticipation of, of any of these these high pressure games that we've seen so far. So, you know, Garrett Cole pitched awful, which is, it's not a, uh, a defining quality to him. I don't think like he was awesome last year in the playoffs. So clearly mm. something was wrong, hamstring injury, whatever, whatever you want to go with. It didn't get the job done. And the Red Sox came out on top. Did either of you while watching this game, feel anything other than just like ha, the Yankees lost or is that pretty I mean much the extent yeah <laughs> yeah that was like that was my central feeling I guess the weird thing is you know how like there's always like one statistic that some people seem to focus on that like kind of tells you like oh this is the way the game's gonna go mm-hmm. I we, so if you look at the pitching matchup in that game like you know naturally you're gonna take Cole over anybody and it was only like an hour before the game where I was like, I was watching ESPN and it said like some t- statistic about his ERA at Fenway park. And then I finally like re geared my thinking into going, Oh, this could be really bad for him. Huh? Like having like a 6.75 ERA against the team at their ballpark. And that's, that's not very good for an elimination game. And then obviously he played the game that he did. I was like, Oh yeah, huh, I guess that's true. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. He just absolutely didn't have it. Like I thought he was going to pitch better. And I, I expect Evaldi to pitch well. He's always pitched well in the playoffs. Uh, we've seen that in the past few years. So I expect a pitcher's duel. Evaldi delivered on his side, and Garrett Cole just didn't on his. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, and then you have the, I guess, for, for the Yankees, the the famous uh, the send, where Stanton hit yet another ball off the wall. He was great for <laughs> that game. And Aaron Judge gets thrown out at home plate by, I don't know, half the base path basically so everybody's everybody's on the yankees coaching staff the yankees just general decision making um and oddly enough from i I, this is my like brief yankees tangent like interlude to to the whole giants and dodgers focus thing um it's it's so much blame going towards everybody but the players because (laughs) it's it's aaron boone's fault it's um, you know, it's the third base Brian coach's fault. fault. It's Brian Cashman's fault for putting that these this play, team together, or you know, it's the ownership's John fault. fault. <laughs> yeah, just hit it, just hit it higher, dummy. No, be on second base and actually, like, there's no other play to be made. So they're like, oh, he's going home. <laughs> no, I mean, he he, he would have been he, he would have been cooked. I don't think there would have been hesitation. But the point remains that. Yes, that play brutally devastating from a momentum standpoint, and it's just funny just summarizing the entire season encapsulated by that that wild card game. Just how much of the hatred goes towards like towards Aaron Boone and in how he manages the team, or like 
You're like, oh, Cashman put together a, a too heavy of a strikeout non-athletic team. Like, like, what's he thinking? Of course this is going to happen. And I don't know. I sit here and think like these, these, uh, these armchair managers uh, or armchair GMs really, really, really annoy the crap out of me as a Yankees fan because well, you know, they're well, so you talked dumb. About so many of these takes you, are you so me, dumb. Well, you and me talked about it, though. That's so, yeah, true. Let's, let's get That's into true. it then. Because, because I was one of those people that I said, and I'll be honest with you, I think my, I'm still going to stick with what I said. These, these high strikeout teams are the ones that are struggling the most against these elite pitchers that they're facing. The Giants are one of them, and they've been struggling against the Dodgers aces. The Astros are not struggling because they don't really strike out. The Rays were one of those teams, and they couldn't score enough runs against the Red Sox pitchers. So I think that has some validity to it. I mean, the fact that you could only get, what, two runs off of Eovaldi and the Red Sox pitching staff screams volumes about the strikeout rate of that team. And I think it is relevant for anyone looking to make a deep run into the playoffs. And I think it stands for generally the teams that are succeeding. They're not striking out as much and the other way around. I, I firmly believe that. Yeah, it, it's, a, it's a sense of balance because for the longest time, the Dodgers failed in the playoffs because they had guys who struck out a lot, especially in the yeah. playoffs. But as soon as those yeah. guys started to put more balls in play and strike yeah. out less, obviously it, it comes down to taking pitches. If you work yes. down and get starters out early, you are going to be successful in the playoffs. And, I mean, the Yankees, they showed it on – I watched StatCast broadcast. The Yankees – had like one of the, the lowest like swing rates in the league and all of a sudden they were they swung at like 65 percent of the balls um early on like rizzo swung at the first pitch of the day and ground out the first and very quick innings for for the red sox pitchers in that game the yankees are just swinging freely a lot of fly balls and did not put any pressure on that defense yeah I, that's an interesting point with the wild card that wild card game too is that was the topic is like these yankees are really aggressive and mm-hmm. they were making outs if you're making outs on the balls you swing at, it doesn't matter what your your balls and play rate is. And that was kind of just the reality of it. I mean, you, you talked about it too. Like we had this conversation that so many of the top offensive teams are not hindered by strikeout rate. Like a, a lot of them do strike out at a pretty decent clip. Um, and the the fact is that, you know, they, they take pitches, pitches as well. They walk and... The difference really is just like when they are hitting the ball, they're doing a lot of damage. The Giants led the league in homers, and that's that's a big difference between or I, I, even a more close uh, comparison would be the Rays, really, who this year scored the second most runs in baseball, had a higher strikeout rate than the Yankees, and a lower walk rate by a good margin, mm-hmm. and just they just crushed the ball. Uh, yeah, yeah and like that, that's the yeah, difference. My larger point is. <laughs> Yeah, my, my larger point being is that what I was trying to say earlier is like, yeah, if you're if you're playing like bottom league swing for the fences against like bad pitching and you're striking out, but you're also hitting the ball hard, like that's fine against average pitching. It's a lot harder to make that consistent amount of like power contact when you're going against Max Scherzer, Walker Bueller, you know, Julio Urias, like those kind of pitchers, those elite seemed- pitchers where it's like, oh, shoot, suddenly our offense disappeared. And look, the Giants are not hitting home runs. The Rays were not hitting home runs, and it's like, oh shoot, we've met our match, and now, you know, look at the Rays; they're out. Giants very well could be on their way out. Like, I think, I think that theory still stands. I see. I think that's more of a a concept than really what happens in practice, because you look at elite pitchers like Max Scherzer, especially, is notorious for struggling with his home run rate, because mm. that's that's the biggest hole in his game. Is he gives up a lot of a, a lot of home runs. 
and that is because he goes right after guys. He's he's one of the best pitchers in the game. But mm. you know, at that same time, you're like, this isn't gonna work against the aces, the studs with electric stuff. Which there's more and more of these pitchers who just have really, really high swing and miss stuff, to where, mm. you know, say you get your pitch and you you put good wood on it and you get a single out of it and that's what you're trying to do then you have to put together a lot more of those you know barrels on mistake pitches than if you really do a lot of damage on that same mistake pitch like if you're talking about a max scherzer fastball mistake down the middle how many of those are you going to get in a game well you you want to do some damage on that pitch rather than you know, take a very conservative approach and have to string together two or three hits to scratch a run across. So the, as a concept on both sides of it, the, the argument can be made and in practice, there's no right answer. Uh, the analytics mm. definitely show that hitting, hitting for power and, and putting up those kinds of production numbers, you know, pay more dividends. And that's why a lot of teams go that direction. Um, and you could still argue against it in, in tight games like this. Um, I'm sure it'll be a topic for these Dodgers and Giants, which also not a lot of home runs because of some of the conditions in, in the ballparks that they play. In. No, you don't say. <laughs> yeah. So um, maybe not the best example there, but mm-hmm. just, yeah, good, good baseball conversation that came from a, from a Yankees focused uh, <laughs> wildcard game. Discussion. Yeah. Right. Thank you. Yankees. For- yeah. For demonstrating this. Yeah. Um, I'm sure there'll be a lot of, other Yankees nonsense that we, we talk about in the future, but give credit to the Red Sox where it's due. They got some guys that were really, really putting it together at the right time. And they did it to the best team in the AL as well, or record wise. That is in, in the division series against yeah. Tampa Bay. Uh, I think caught everybody off guard. There were not a lot of yeah. people. I had the Red Sox going through, uh, through that series. And Ray, I guess uh, I'll throw it to you. Do you have any major takeaways with with what worked for the Red Sox particularly well? Or maybe, um, maybe some I less mean, the Red Sox hitting stayed hot, and I think our concerns about the shallowness of the Rays pitching um, came, uh, came to fruition. I mean, especially in, in that game, too. You know, Shane Boz went a couple, and you know, he got bailed out by that Lupolo Grand Slam off of Chris Sale. But he gave up, uh, I think he gave up two runs in that outing, didn't go very deep. And then all of a sudden you have just, you know, the race throw whoever up, but their bullpen this year wasn't full of guys who were super scary, I would say. Uh, you know, they still they still clearly have a lot of guys that are hard, but you didn't have the Castillos, the Alvarados, the Fairbanks, you know, Nick Andersons. You didn't have, you know, four or five guys who could be a closer on any given team. You had JT Shagwa, Colin McHugh, uh, Fire Eyes has been good, but, you know, there's not really that, that, you know, four or five headed monster in the back end of the Rays bullpen that afforded them the flexibility to to have a, a rookie in Shane Boz going who has been in the major leagues for three and a half weeks uh, for starting game two, and then you know Drew Drew Rasmussen get a story a good story to get back, and that that game went fourteen innings, but the the Rays pitching depth was not what it was last year, especially in the starting end and in the bullpen as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and well, the t- starting end especially that that was the biggest difference this year versus last year. Uh, I I think Ben, we discussed this as well. Just the concept of you can mm. have a great bullpen, but any time that you have to mm. send out six, seven, eight guys on any given night, you, you're expecting all of them 
to be on. If any one of them is off, which you, you saw in that deciding game with Shane McClanahan, if any one of them is yeah. off, it's over, really. Like, you're putting your yeah. faith in. You're, you're, there's a lot more dice rolls that you have to, to get through there, uh, even if they well, are all individually and in a large sample size, very good pitchers. Yeah, and we saw, well, actually, not to swing it too much back over to the Giants and Dodgers again, but we saw a lot throughout both of their seasons they relied on these bullpen games. You know, a lot of it was led by Gonsolin and they kind of throw together some games down the stretch. I know the Giants did it a few times when they were down some starters. And the only main benefit of obviously getting to do that in the regular season is you're probably trying to you know, rest your starters a little more, take the load off. But if you're having to do it more, like you said, where you're having to throw five or six of those guys in there, you're not, you don't have anything left to save for your starters because it's like, you know, you, you need every one of your guys to be on. And like you just said, if if any of them aren't on, I mean, you know, that's the difference between a one or two run loss. And so, you know, any team that's had to rely on that and obviously the Rays did, I mean, they weren't they weren't going to last that way. Mm. Well, I, so, I can't but, I, mean, I can't say I'm sad to see them go personally, but, mm-hmm. uh, you know, yeah, they're going to be back They're They're there every year. They, they put that team together. Uh, totally yeah. different cast of characters. They get they get back there and they got there really convincingly this year. Um, I, okay, one more baseball discussion, kind of stemming from this series as well. Um, the Kevin Kiermeyer double, the ground, <laughs> the ground rule double, one of the weirdest <laughs> plays that was that was finished uh, on the Red Sox side the next half inning by a walk off two run home run, which I guess you could argue anyway. Like, well, the Red Sox would have won it on that. Uh, regardless if if all the rest of the events unfolded the same way but what a ridiculous play hits off of the right fielder after bouncing off the wall then the ground and then hunter renfro and goes over that's a ground rule double there have been other plays that happened like that as well in the past like uh online there were including for the rays where kevin cash argued that the runner should have been put back at third like two years ago yeah it's happened before it's never on the stage like this though so what do you think about that that's that's a very odd play and even of even a more uh i guess puzzling rule that's there to begin with um ben like what did you think when you saw that were you, were you like that doesn't I, seem right or were you like oh well. i didn't i didn't really know it well it's just here's the problem is that and i i kind of felt silly not wanting to comment on it even at first it's just like I really don't know what's supposed to happen here. Like I'm looking at it and I'm like, okay, naturally what's my reaction? I'm like, okay, the ball's over the fence at the ground rule double. And then you look at the replays and it's like, one of the half of him, but then it did that. And then now he's at second, but he's at third. Is it like, what, what am I looking at here? So it, it just made it really hard to process or have a, a strong take on anything. When in reality, as it was, you know, it was like, I, I'm not going to pretend to know what I'm talking about here. Cause this is, this just looks confusing, especially on such a massive scale as the playoffs i mean it was just weird yeah and i I, if you ask me we're getting up to cba time we'll we'll have more discussions about this i'm sure but an easy enough rule change would be umpire's discretion on a play like that especially you just add the the clause if touched by a fielder then it's up to the umpires to to place the runners and that was a very clear case where the run would have scored like he's at third base when the ball like hit off of Renfro. So 
Yeah, because like if if you if you have too loose of an interpretation of the rule or whatever the current version of the rule is, I mean, you could just have an outfielder bat it with his glove into the stands. It's like, oh no, no, you have to like mm-hmm. go back to second now. And then like and that's I think that's a good point about umpire discretion. It's just like, okay, well, you know, obviously like if it's a similar play like I just described, it's like, okay, obviously he hit it out. It's like like the fielder hit it out of the field of play. That's one thing, but I don't know, I, I like your suggestion. Yeah, absolutely wacky play, nonetheless. There was actually a, a very wacky play in the White Sox Astro series, which is the other AL side series. Uh, we'll go through this one a little bit faster, just because mm-hmm. Houston kind of wiped the floor with the Astro with the White Sox uh, in yeah. an unfortunate way. But there was a weird play where Yasmani Grandal hit a ground ball to first base, and the throw was coming home, and he gets hit by the the throw coming to home plate. And you're running inside the baseline in the grass, which isn't uncommon, but definitely didn't get out of the way. Wears it in the arm to deflect the throw and they get the run, whatever. And it can't be called interference. And as somebody who like distinctly remembers this happening to Trey Turner on just you know, like a daily basis, uh, the, the Trey Turner rule where he, you know, the catcher throwing to first base going the other way, like if you're slightly inside that base path and and the play can't be made. Oh, interference, you're out. And it's it's such a weird weird clause. Like I I, I don't even know what the exact language was to make it yeah, non-reviewable also, or just the fact that it wasn't like the play wasn't being made at the base. Like it was a totally separate throw, like not that, towards that, first that base. Is, that is what that is what it is. Um the trade the trade turn call was still terrible. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh but this play as they explained on the broadcast, because it's a throw home and not like a throw to first base, or you, mm-hmm. uh, Grandall has the right to establish his baseline, which he does. Yeah, he doesn't that's like what I was stick say, a yeah. hand out. He, he just he's running, and he kind of sees where the throw is going to go, so he kind of establishes his baseline well inside the line, and yeah, he gets he gets uh, plunked by the ball uh, from Guriel and. He's he's just running. He's just a runner mm-hmm. at, at that point, and the throw is going home, so he's not interfering with you know his his out. I guess I don't know the exact language of how to phrase it, but the fact that it's not a play at first, he has no obligation to yeah. be in the runner's box. And yeah. even then, I don't know if he was. In, I don't know if he was even at the point where the runner's box begins. So that might have also been an, another aspect of that. Mm. Yeah, it's yeah. weird. He kind of took the words out of my mouth. Yeah. No, it's, it's it's about I mean the establishing the baseline thing is just about where I was going with it. It's like it's and it's so bang bang when it's happening, especially with how fast everything's going on. It's it's kind of hard to just be like, well, hold on. Like I saw him shift over a half step to the left. It's like, eh. mm-hmm. it's very it's it's maybe the most arbitrary rule in baseball. I even heard like in the broadcast they were talking about how technically the runner can just run straight at the pitcher's mound if he wants to yeah. to establish his baseline <laughs> and curve towards first base. Like, could you imagine that? That would be wild. Someone uh, <laughs> might do it one of these days. You never know. You never know. Well, yeah, and and it's the same case that that I see too. Like I I've brought this up in the past, more related to tag plays and like the out of Nobody the baseline. Nobody can run anywhere. Like, stop it. <laughs> you you can't like you can't even juke up juke a guy tagging you without being called to the base path and yeah my my proposition was that let the base runners run wherever the heck they like you can make them stay on the infield maybe that that would be a good you know limiting mm. thing there but like why does it matter if if they have to like run loops around like they're they're not getting close to the base like make make the fielder get you out and make it a little bit more 
exciting of a chase where they're like, oh, he he made an awesome juke to to evade this fielder who's in the base path, uh, but you're out anyway. It's 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 all arbitrary. It's very weird. Um, Can we just like make like an X across all the bases, like a base path through from first third to first that cuts through the pitcher mound and then second to home, and we'll find like, like a new way to add a base. Like that that could be interesting. Shake up baseball, you know. Well, apparently that's that's how like before um officiating was like very uh it was very good and there was just one umpire in the field uh, sometimes base runners would just run right across the infield to to third base and hope nobody noticed and apparently that was like kind of the norm <laughs> with with less vigilant officiating so maybe that'll make a comeback um all right yeah just another weird note there that the astros do look very good their offense was one of the best of the regular season it, it stayed that way and the white Sox had one good game where they they put on an offensive show at home, so at least they got that going yep. for them. Um, yeah, the rest of it. That one good memory. Yeah, they they have that one memory, but yeah, the Astros proved to be too much for them. And credit where it's due, you know, postseason Lance McCullers, the rest of their pitching staff was was quite good against a really yeah. really good lineup. Yeah. I'm most concerned about their their bullpen. Like I like they obviously have a lot of good starters, but I I have a feeling that relief pitching is what's going to carry them if they continue mm. past the ALCS. Uh, yeah, it would have to. Their, their pitching is much weaker than in years past, of course, not having yeah. guys like Verlander, Verlander. Cole at the helm. Yeah. Um, Charlie Morton, yeah. Oh, I, I didn't even think about this, too, but one of the storylines, you, you talk about having guys put the ball in play, was the White Sox didn't have an extra base hit until that, that first game that they won at, at home um, through that series. It was all Ooh. singles through that point, and they were not putting it together against you know less than awesome astros pitching so there's a counterpoint to you know like you just put the ball in play enough you know maybe it'll, maybe it'll happen like they didn't do any damage until they started okay. crushing balls i don't know call the balance Ui. i'm not saying just plinking bunts everywhere and popping it over the shortstop like i get it no, they're they they peace and balls okay. I, I i know it's just a circumstance that i'm pointing to but it's kind of funny that we were just talking about that as well and that was a yeah, major storyline for them um so astros uh red sox just on the on the al side like which one do you think is stronger here i don't think any of us had them in this matchup but if you had to pick one i don't think picking? people no. wanted us to i mean i think the general conversation around baseball is nobody really had this because nobody maybe not nobody but like it's not it's obviously not like a matchup you really root for for obvious reasons i mean i am in, i don't know i am the miserable red sox, <laughs> Well, no, especially like, well, I mean, you just look at all the different fan bases. Like, and to me, I, I think that because the Red Sox in theory, like they are like an exciting batting team, like for baseball standards, I do kind of like them. It's just like a recent postseason success. And, you know, it's just like you have Red Sox not, fatigue, especially. Yeah, 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 exactly. And then for obvious reasons with the Astros, I mean, if you're not an Astros fans, you want to see them eliminated immediately. It just so happens that they have an amazing, well-rounded ball club this year. And, you know, I, I wanted to get into this later once we got back into the Giants-Dodgers talk. But the reality is, is that regardless of who wins Dodgers-Giants, who, if you care about baseball, you're going to want to see either the Dodgers or Giants play the Astros in the World Series. Because it's the ultimate, like, good versus evil. You know, you have the two best ball clubs, you know, the Dodgers and Giants, and literally everyone else will be rooted against the Astros. That's that's like baseball everyone's going to want to be watching. The Dodgers, obviously, for revenge reasons, and the Giants, who arguably have put together like 
a baseball team like the right way if that's even like the correct way to put it like it's just like oh like the Astros did it the wrong way and they cheated and you have the Giants who have like these weird veterans and a very you know deep a lot of deep bench players like it's I don't know. Either way, that if if you're a baseball fan, that's probably the matchup that you want to see: is Astros versus Dodgers or Giants. That's, I feel like that's, that's an interesting like, take. Yeah, the, this yeah. ALCS um, MLB is going to try its best to make you forget that uh, these two teams, or some of the a lot of the people involved with these two teams, sh- uh, that they, they deserve to be here. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, the Astros yeah. are a very good team. But they're still a very good, good team because they didn't get punished for cheating. And who ran that cheating? The yeah. current manager of the Boston Red Sox. He lost his job for one yeah. year and they got it back. Um, yeah, I, sure I forgot I, about I like, that. Yeah. I like the Red Sox players. I you know obviously like Verdugo and and Kiki Hernandez. I like. I mean, I like a lot of the guys. I like Bogarts and Devers. Schwarber, and man, I'm a Schwarber guy all the way. I'm glad at the season but, he's having. He's... But just seeing Alex Cora there, it, you're just reminded that nobody really got punished. A lot of ugly I mean, memories. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah, and you know AJ Hinch is you know he got a worse job with the Tigers, but you know Alex Cora got stopped oh, on the wrist, he got suspended for a year, uh, and you know the Yankees or the, sorry the Astros, you know they returned to the ALCS once again after being shoved into the playoffs last year because of a terrible system, and yeah, it's it's put me in a terrible position position of like I either <laughs> if the Giants do beat the Dodgers tomorrow night. Um, there's a scenario where I might have to root for the Giants uh, over <laughs> oh. either team. And baseball commends and, you for and, it. Or, or, <laughs> or I have to root for the Braves and the Chop, which is awful. <laughs> uh. <laughs> so, there's a lot of, there's, like I said, there's a lot of great things that MLB is uh, promoting here. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's so stressful. Oh, man. I love it. So, so, did you, do you think Boston or Houston comes out on top? um i i think houston it, yeah objectively Same. i think houston the the lineup is too strong and they're pitching as shallow as we say it is it's still deeper i think than boston's is except no. mind you the health concerns with lance mccullers jr who we know playoff yes. lance is a different animal he has well, been experiencing he experienced forearm tightness uh, in his last start in the division series, which is never a good thing. And especially he, concerning he, if oh, he, he decides to pitch John through it. He's, ha- he's had, I believe, Tommy John and other injuries that even set him back even longer, um, either in that same recovery process or, or earlier on. So he's had a lot of injury problems throughout his career. Um, if that proves to either make him pitch poorly or knock him out as a factor i'm i'm gonna take the red Sox, and you're you're coming you're pitching on the backs of new new arrival postseason nick pavetta who is just absolutely disgusting <laughs> like where has that been not to mention like extremely fun to watch like i was having fun watching him just you know strutting off the mound and, and doing his thing like I, I don't know that's that kind of energy it, it uh i don't know it feels it feels better than than if i don't know the alternatives but uh, yeah, yeah i think the red Sox do come away if if houston loses their best starter honestly yeah 
Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I think the series will go deep, um, but I, I do have to give the Astros a slight edge. But you're right. That McCullers asterisk is uh, it's a lot to think about. <laughs> All right. We've talked a lot of American League. Now we're getting to the good stuff here. Well, the National League Wild Card game, we kind of talked about when Ray was there. He had the walk-off home run by Chris Taylor. It was a nail-biter of a game. Adam Wainwright did his thing. He was he was grooving, and that's kind of yeah. that's kind of like what he, he did all year. His first postseason home run on a curveball to Justin Turner. Like, th- that that stat in and of itself. I think he's thrown, or up to that point, it was 551 curveballs in the postseason, and that was the first Jesus. one. Jesus, that's insane. That's a crazy stat. <laughs> um, yeah. is Justin Justin Turner's kind of known to be one of the better breaking ball hitters in a Dodgers lineup that really crushes fastballs, if I'm not mistaken. Um, yeah. Yeah. Also just one of the best postseason hitters in Dodger hitters. Well, there's that too. There's that too. But a a notoriously weak uh, breaking ball hitting team in the Dodgers, which is kind of Mm. bizarre when you you think about it. But um, they had just enough to get it done. And it was... Off the bat of Chris Taylor, who's Just not even enough. starting starting Just games. Enough. And on another uh, uh, yeah. And nah, another I told ball, you I had right? more. <laughs> yeah. I I yeah. No, wait you... with anticipation. Yeah, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, I mean, it, it's, you know, even obviously coming from a Giants fan, I mean, it's it's always hard to root against someone with a story like Wayne Wright, and especially at his age and the game that he pitched. But, I mean, it was just, despite the fact it was a close game, you know, watching all the way through, it was just evident that, by the end of this incredible hot streak that the Cardinals were on, there's just this general feeling of, yeah, we're out of gas. Like, you know, I mean, you could just see with the at-bats, the at-bats look a little lazy in my opinion, and they didn't look like there was any way that they were going to put anything else together. Um, And, you know, the Dodgers obviously, you know, a lot to prove. And um, I don't know. I, I wasn't, as soon as Taylor hit the home run, like, it was weird. Like I, for the sake of baseball, you and I talked about this before the game. It's like this series between the Giants needed to happen, especially this season. It just needed to happen. So I was actually happy when I saw that go, but it was still kind of like, ah, uh, like it's, it's, you know, just out of instinct. It also was like, gosh, dude, it's Dodgers. But I don't know. I, I can't, I can't lie and say I wasn't super delighted to see that this is going to be in the works. Mm-hmm. This, it really has shaped up to be one of the most insane playoff series in, especially in the division series round that I can remember. And then on the other side of that, you had Milwaukee and Atlanta kind of toiling. I, I said, I said in the prediction, I got, I might've got this part right and said that these are the two weakest teams in the entire playoffs. I think leave, I agreed with you. Leave the Yankees alone on yeah. this one. Just ignore that for a second. And let's look at these two teams that, you know, the, you look at the runs scored in this game. First of all, like, yeah, there's good pitching, but, yeah, teams that didn't score. I, I like. I'm surprised that that both teams put scratch across more than four runs in uh in I, in the deciding game. Good, good for them. Good for them. You know. Yeah. They, they so going going to on. the Brewers to to start. It's like I I feel like the biggest misconception, and, it, and I think it depends based on where you get your baseball information from. Primarily for me, I'll admit it's like Instagram. Mm-hmm. Uh, MLB Instagram eats up the Corbin Burns Brandon Woodruff combo. Because they're great pitchers. I mean, it, it, anyone in, in baseball anywhere recognizes that they're two of the best in the game. Um, when you see two dominant pitchers like that, it's very easy to think to yourself, oh, yeah, like they're starting rotation solid. And it wasn't until Uwe, you and I talked that it's like, oh, wait, shoot. Like outside of that, what do they have? You have a, a washed MVP in Kristen Yelich. 
your best power hitter at the moment and really hitter overall right now is like Rowdy Telez. Like just outside of that, they just weren't putting anything together. And it, it definitely came to light in that whole series. Yeah. The, the Brewers got shut out back to back games in that, in that mix as well. After they won game one off of none other than Rowdy Telez. And it's not like the Braves are running out like unhittable pitchers, like it, much better. Um, you know, this time of year with, with Morton and Freed and Ian Anderson look disgusting as well. Um, mm-hmm. So that'll work. That'll play anywhere. But yeah, man, I, I, my question before was just who? Who from the Brewers is going to do it? And the answer was nobody. So, uh. <laughs> I mean, the, the the name that pops up in my head that I thought maybe was like, oh, yeah, like Willie Adonis could like put something together, you know, like why not? Like he was good for a little while, and that just didn't happen either. So, but then he saw they they, they didn't remember what he did in the postseason last year for the Rays, which is nothing. Yeah, mm, it's you, true. You get traded from the Rays, you you should be you should be reflecting on a lot. Like, oh no, what what happened? What why why did this happen? No. Um, no. Anti Mr. He's no Randy. He's, he's no, no Randy. He's also he's no Brandon Lau though. We didn't <laughs> yeah, even talk true. about that's, that. That's, that's what the, the kids series. say. That's what the kids say. He's no Brandon Lau, man. Basically two postseasons in a row for the Rays with zero production. And they keep starting him in like the two or three spot in the lineup or leading off. Lead like, off sometimes, lead off sometimes yeah. too. Crazy. Absolutely insane coaching decision there which i i, I don't know <laughs> it's almost like kevin cash isn't the greatest manager <laughs> almost oh. but yeah uh, that's that, that's not good if you didn't know uh to go over it's also just crazy series. to have like a, a gm like the Rays, like the Rays gm where it's like you, you put together a team like that that can consistently win that many games and you're like really good at that part of your job but you can't figure out how to get people in the stands. Like that's just like which which one would you rather? Oh, that's have? a like, that's a different can of well, worms the, right the, there. The, the the easy answer is put the put the stadium in Tampa and not or put half the stadium. <laughs> yeah, put half the stadium in Montreal. Yes. Yeah. True. Genius. Mm. I like your thinking. Yeah. Little teaser. Um, Ooh. All right. Uh, it, yeah. Do you have anything the, more the, on the Brewers? My, my, my last note on the Atlanta Milwaukee series. Is I think it's how you and I both said it would play out where. Uh, Burns and or Woodruff are beatable by a solid Braves lineup only because mm. the Brewers might not score. <laughs> That's mm-hmm. exactly what happened, especially in, yeah. in games uh, two and three. You had, uh, yeah, the Brewers failed to score after pinch hitting for Freddie Peralta, who was doing very well in that game. And then Jocktober happened again. Yeah, dude, Adrian former, Hauser, so. former Dodgers really the story of this playoffs so far seriously it's true it's really true just can't, sign can't just sign that. former dodgers platoon players and you're pretty much set is what i'm hearing <laughs> um all right and now we're to the moment that we've all been waiting for uh a good mm. 47 minutes into recording i did check that just <laughs> so you know but for real these two teams with the win totals that they had by the way blowing blowing away the the previous record for most regular season wins uh between two teams playing in an elimination game in the playoffs uh combined 113 mm-hmm. is the number right 106 and 107 for the final tallies 213. Mm-hmm. or 213 well, it, yeah, it's sorry. also like some brought up a good point earlier that at this point now that you know they're t- technically tied at 109 each 
Yes. Including the play, which like yep. I like the way that sounds better. It like, does sound. Like, but the next, it's the like next the most tie. The next most, if you take the sum of wins between two teams playing in an elimination game, is like two hundred six versus two thirteen. Like that's that's a considerable number of wins, seven even. Yeah. <laughs> so that's that's a that's, that's a math. lot. Good math there. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's just it's so impressive, really. What the Giants teams that beat each other a lot in the in the regular season. <laughs> they it's really been the two teams going at it all year and you know for their histories as well you know it's that's always a big deal as well but the giants the storyline the whole year that they held off the dodgers because the dodgers on paper they have it all they had it all coming into the season and then they didn't have it all for a while they had nothing from cody bellinger and not really a sharp mookie bets and you know had some other Mm -hmm. like injuries and hiccups throughout the season you're like all right especially with the giants doing what they're doing you need to make a big move and go ahead and get the two best available trade um, pieces on the market yeah. in trade Turner and Max Scherzer. And you're like, oh, okay, now, now what are the Giants going to do? And they just kept winning the whole time. And if you, Ben, want to just give a, a summary of what you think it is that got it done in, you know, in simplest terms possible, I know you could go through the entire lineup of players on that yeah. team because they really do all contribute, but yeah. More just in a general sense, like how how do the Giants overcome the fact that they don't have any star power and they just win games? Yeah, well, I mean, like, and obviously, you know, the addition of Chris Bryant is that star power. But I mean, even obviously before that, it's that they were doing just fine without him. And I, while he's been like a nice X factor and everything, and I love me some Chris Bryant, I. You know, you already said that I could probably identify about 20 different reasons or 20 different reasons for different players on what works. And, you know, if you'd asked me two years ago if I was saying this, who I'd give the cred to, you you wouldn't have caught me dead saying it'd be Gabe Kapler. I mean, it's probably the only award race for a while that will be unanimous is just NL Coach of the Year. I mean, if you've watched enough of the games, a lot of it, the Giants love the league and pinch hit home runs. I mean for some reason having this crazy situational awareness of what each player does exactly right at its exact time, defensive arrangements, timely relief pitching. It, it's just, it's, it's impossible, especially with the talent that's on the team that let's face it. I mean, at the beginning of the season, you know, it, this is like the third time as a giants fan with some of these guys were like, okay, this is like their final run. Like, might as well give them like a proper send off Brandon Crawford, Brandon Bell, Buster Posey, like all those guys are gone after the season and just this crazy synergy and chemistry. And, you know, the, the number one thing I think they did well was finally realizing the best way to use Buster Posey again, which is just like the two, two on one off sort of deal. Obviously Kirk Sally wasn't exactly like a huge luxury, but I mean, he still got the job done and caught a lot of great games. Um, Did he catch like the most like shutouts huge. this year or something stupid yeah. like that? Yeah. Yeah. Well, there was, there was a series. I remember, I think it was in May where I know that he had caught five in a row and that's when I kind of woke up and went, okay, I'm okay. If this guy bats like, you know, 200 on the dot, like, you know, he catches some mean games. Um, so, I mean, it's, it, 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 if I'm trying to simplify it, yes, it's just it was Kapler's ability to really just understand what each of these guys could do exactly when they needed to do it. And, 
that's the only, I mean, that's the only way I can imagine them being as consistently good as they've been the entire season. I mean, it's, there weren't any super long losing streaks or, you know, periods where we really lost hope. It was just, they just kept doing it. And, you know, that's, 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 I think that just the collective feeling of everything they've been through and everything the Dodgers have been through. And really that's just why tomorrow is just such a, a crazy moment in sports history of like all those feelings of the past couple of months coming to head. Yeah. And again, like no star power, but they 100% did it. The new school model of offense in major league baseball, just by hitting a ton of homers, which mm-hmm. like how, first of all, in that ballpark with those guys that they have doing mm-hmm. the amount of damage and in, in spreading it all out. Um, they led the national league in homers. I, I was just looking at this though. It's kind of interesting they, they were ahead of the blue Jays by like a, by a little bit, they were kind of going back and forth there for for a while. The Blue Jays yeah. ended up with like twenty one more homers than the Giants. The Blue Jays went absolutely <laughs> ham in that last month and still missed the playoffs. Like that's that's just disappointing. Um, yeah. But yeah, the Giants led the National League uh, ahead of the Braves, ahead of the Dodgers. Um, so yeah, big big power from guys like Brandon Belt and Brandon Crawford, Lamont Wade. Yeah. Like everybody just hit enough really yeah it, it, it well in a lot of it i i would have to try to find the statistic on it too but i mean the amount of just comeback wins i mean it was it was usually a lot of it wasn't ever like anything too insurmountable but like i'm sure you've heard the nickname late night lamont going mm-hmm. around he led the league in go ahead or game winning hits like in the entire major league baseball so it's like okay well and, and that's just one example like i know kirk Sally had like three like a few of our guys here and there, it's just like for some reason you just be watching these games. And when pe- I keep on hearing people say luckiest team in baseball, I'm not going to argue that because it just kept on <laughs> happening. But like that can't by definition be luck if you won the most, if you had the most wins in franchise history. Like that you don't, you don't get there on accident. So you it's, need to be uh, good and you need to be lucky. Yeah. 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 They so, were both. Yeah. What a, what a time. So, exactly. That's that's the st- the statement for the Giants. The Dodgers are a little yes. less interesting because in, uh, going into the season, I was just like they're the best. They're the best. I don't know what anybody's going to do against them. And Ray, if you just kind of want to like briefly summarize the the struggles that arose throughout the season to show us that's not the case, and we're gonna have to play a one game wild card to uh to get ourselves in here to to prove well, that yeah we're you the had best. some. Well, they had that huge streak of like I think what ten or eleven straight games of losing in extra innings, just mm. not being able to come through in extra innings, losing a couple of like big streaks of you know losing eight out of ten or whatever those streaks were, and then coming out even into the All-Star break, out of the All-Star break, all of a sudden yeah, we're still on like a hundred something win pace, trade from Max Scherzer, trade Turner, and they're like yeah we're still on like a hundred something win pace, and the Giants are just not losing. Uh, like I said, they're they're playing teams that you might think play spoiler, and then they don't because they're bad teams like the Padres and Diamondbacks and stuff and the Rockies yeah. and all that. And then you know, basically our only hope in September was the Braves. And the big disappointment of losing that last series before September against the Giants, uh, definitely hurt. But there's like a lot of games that you could point to that could have swung this this season around that they should have won and they still won 106 games. 
and it's it's yeah. just absolutely nuts. And you know, the season came down to uh, miss check swing uh, check swing call. So, um, <laughs> okay. Well, it also then, came down to Mike Talkman robbing a home run, but you know, yes. whatever we don't talk about that. So also, I have a sale Garcia just dropping a fly ball. Um, <laughs> <laughs> There's it just it is like that's why I just don't ever buy into like. If no, like I, one of those plays happens that swings a game that a game like that, and then people are like, "Oh well, you know, there's 162 games." This is why this matters. Like, this is it's insane that those small little events here and there. It's just like, yeah. holy crap! Like, yeah, that did decide this. Like, where we're right now, like home field advantage and everything that happened. It's just insane. But yeah, so ah. yeah, Dodgers came out 106 wins. Still didn't catch the Giants, not for lack of effort, especially in September, and past yeah. past the deadline and. Yeah, survived the one game playoff, uh, and forced the game five after being down two one, and you know it's 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 do or die again. So we'll we'll, we'll see what happens uh, tomorrow with yep. uh, Urias on the mound. Everything everything yeah. matters. Every little thing matters, and it also none of it matters because the only thing that matters is tomorrow night. That's that's all it is. It's Julio Urias. It's Logan Webb. Like we said before, um, you yeah. touched on Logan Webb having a defining first playoff start in his first game which you know just sheer sheer dominance and this is a guy who i followed primarily because i had him on my fantasy team for a good amount of time but yeah it helps yeah uh displays really really disgusting stuff with his change up in slider in particular um Mm -hmm. so I, i don't know if there's much more to say about what Webb is able to I, do, but I, I think I, the only thing I really wanted to touch on mm-hmm. with Webb specifically is that so this is a number you're probably going to hear a lot on the broadcast tomorrow, maybe beforehand. So obviously, it's obvious Webb has had a ridiculously hot ending in the season. He's gone 20 straight starts without a loss, to, or 21 if you're including the playoffs. So uh, in that streak, he's at a sub two ERA. I think the biggest thing, and this is apparent just watching the playoff game, but just apparent throughout the season, his home ERA is is 1.79. On the road, it's like a 4.5. So, you know, home field advantage obviously plays a huge factor in the situation. I think the only way you could really go wrong tomorrow, and obviously there's a few different ways, but... Um, if they if move you look ballparks. The, no, is that not... Yeah, okay. yeah seriously. <laughs> if, there's, if there's wind. Um, no, but... Uh, no, the, the big thing is that a lot of his strikeouts in game one were obviously swinging strikeouts uh, outside of the zone. Tomorrow, th- this is my prediction. The first starting pitcher to get taken out of the game, even if it's by you know one or two outs or whatever, um, the other team's going to win the game. Um, meaning the Dodgers are probably going to be taking a lot more pitches tomorrow, um, a lot more cautious. And he relies so much on those out-of-the-zone strikes and those swinging strikes that if they're not biting as much tomorrow, and I know it's easier said than done, but you know that very well could be the thing where it's like, okay, he, maybe he's walking more people or whatever the case is. So, you know, really, I mean, whichever, like I said, whichever starting pitcher gets knocked out of the game, I, I'm I'm saying the other team's gonna win. Interesting, interesting uh, take on that. Yeah, I, um, I I agree with that. The key to Logan Webb's success was the swings out of the zone. A lot of that came from a couple of very bad strike calls. Uh, on the outside part of the plate, oh, that that that. We do not need to talk actually. about. 
Yeah, the, the umpiring this series, like, I think the, it, the home I mean, plate umpire this tomorrow is one of the worst. I think it's Doug Eddie. It is. Or whatever his name is. <laughs> it is. He's one of the worst. <laughs> he is dead last in outside zone accuracy, which is horrible. And we, yeah. this, is a, this is a series where we had Angel Hernandez behind the plate. Um, <laughs> so, yeah. yeah, who would have thought we were going to miss Joe West as a playoff umpire? Ted Barrett also was not good, too. Like, it, let's no, face he it. Was I mean, not I don't. Where I, I don't I'm trying not to just be hypercritical of umpires in general, but I mean some of the worst umpires in the whole league have been officiating this series. That's just like yeah. four of them. Yeah, and it's yeah, it's, so, it's I mean, peak not, drama. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Logan Webb did a very good job mixing all three pitches, telling all three pitches. I'm not saying he was carried by the umpires. But yeah, as I mean, when you're hitting and all of a sudden that three four inches off the plate gets called. You get tend to get a little more swing happy on whatever you see up there, so that certainly affects yeah. the game. And Logan Webb did a good job of playing to what he had uh, and, and executing yeah. his pitches really well. Uh, we'll see tomorrow uh, if he can execute the pitches like he has been, or maybe he mm-hmm. leaves more pitches over the plate, or maybe somehow uh, Doug Eddings just doesn't call balls outside the zone. But we'll, we'll see exactly how that how that affects things. And and you know, for Urias too, you know, he's got his pitch his pitch mix, but Another guy who hasn't lost a start in a long time, so it would be interesting. Yeah, that's true. No, it's 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 an unbelievably equal matchup in terms of history, stats, players. I mean, it's gonna be nuts. Um, I'd actually like to pose a question, I guess, to sure. both of you, but a little bit more to Ray. Um, and it, it's a pretty general question, so I'll let you guys take a little time to think about it. Um, who's your biggest X factor? on both teams tomorrow and like not like any obvious answers like obviously the starting pitchers and anyone like that like who do you think is really going to define like the tone of how well tomorrow goes um i'll start because obviously that means i've had a little time to think about it and it's it's a little bit of a different one and it's also just assuming that they play him um austin slater um he's really really good against right-handed pitching he said very limited at bats this series in general, and when he has, he's made solid contact. Um, the, the fact of the matter is the, the Giants' bats have been cold. Um, Chris Bryant and Buster Posey are really the only two that have put together like a pretty consistent batting performance. And especially if they get someone like Slater near the top of the lineup, and he's getting on base, he steals bases, um, and they get someone like Bryant or Posey to knock him in, I think he could really uh, shift the tone of the game for sure. Um, I'm going to do one for the Dodgers, too. Um, and this one, I guess, maybe is a little bit more obvious. Um, just Trey Turner. I mean, it's – I didn't realize until I looked it up, but I didn't realize that before last night, Trey Turner and Justin Turner were 1 for 29 combined. Now they're, what, 4 for 35 is what I ended up finding. But that – I, it, it, it just doesn't feel like they've not done well this series, but it is weird to think that they are. So it also feels like either one of them is due. Um and part of me just worries that yeah, Trey Turner is going to have one of those games where he just lives up to his stat lines. So I'd say on the Dodgers end, he's definitely the X factor. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I don't know if X factor so much as uh, I think it's going to come down to the MVPs in this game on both sides. Like it's Mookie Betts and like especially like Cody Bellinger, especially especially like you mm. know that that kind of resurgence he's had. Like these are the players. That will matter. Mookie Betts, I'll say, matters the most. Like he, he has leadoff. He, he sets the tone, and he's been a hot. good series. Yeah, he's been hot. And yeah. Chris Bryant, like for me, just straight up needs to 
needs to have a defining game. Like the this is this is the time for it. I don't know if there's a single X factor that exists in the Giants because their entire team is X factors. Um, that's that's the competition. Yeah. But I just you no, know, I was curious on commentary on who you guys think could really yeah. swing. I think it's going like, to come yeah, down to the MVPs are... if their MVPs come out to come out to play because they're all super capable hitters capable of crushing either of these starting pitchers. So mm. yeah, I think that's what it comes down to. Super talented yeah, I, hitters. I, I I think I think for me I I agree with the Chris Bryant thing. He's been relatively quiet uh, this series. Nothing too crazy from him. Like if he is another that to be feared in that lineup besides Buster Posey, especially with Urias going. Uh, they need another right-handed bat to really get going in this lineup. So if if um, if he can't really do it, then I don't know where else I said maybe Posey they get production from. And for the Dodgers, I, I it's Gavin Lux. Um, mm. Sat the first couple games and... Gave almost, us the gif of the, the postseason as well. Yeah, I mean, really, if it, if it's not for the weather in L- in LA that night, that's a game tying <clears throat> homer. And mm-hmm. and then last night, I believe he got on four times. Yep, four out of four. Yeah, it's and, true. Yeah, it's true. It was a huge it was a huge factor in that game. So he's going to play tomorrow against Webb, uh, probably replacing Pollock, who struggles especially against a guy like Webb with a slider like that yeah. in the postseason. So yeah, AJ Pollock just can't hit the postseason. But um, yeah. you know, you were you replace a a guy like Pollock with a guy like Webb and maybe you get some of that bottom line of production <clears throat> that uh that they miss in game one. Yeah. Yeah. No, I was actually that was originally gonna be because I, I was gonna say Pollock is actually my X Factor originally until I realized they probably won't play him. Or at least not for like maybe until like a pinch hit at bat. Cause the, the that was actually weirdly enough the number one thing I noticed in person at game one is like I could probably count on one hand how many pitches Pollock actually like made contact with. I think it was like two out of like the 12 pitches that he saw. Like he just couldn't hit Webb's off speed. Um, going back to the Bryant thing, I'm pretty sure he's hitting like 500 for the series, if not just below that. So I don't know about him being quiet per se, maybe just getting base hits when they don't matter. But yeah, stupid I, think singles. Calling... I, I think he just doesn't have like, you know, like he doesn't have like, the defining like moment of the series so far for him like posey has his home run yeah brian well brian got a home run no they brian got a home run yeah he did yeah yeah. he has to live up to the hype of his 2016 playoff performance mind you so it's a little different standard that's true no i try not to remember 2016 playoffs Mm. it's uh, it's not a comfortable comfortable memory for us trans fans oh you're welcome so damn orange chevron car (laughs) anyway we gave our thoughts all we can do now is watch. These are the two best teams in baseball, straight up. And the Giants might not be next year, honestly. Like I, I'm gonna be, I'm gonna be honest. The Giants, <laughs> nobody, nobody would be surprised if they turn back into a perfectly average ball club because that's where they were expected to be. Um, and just, just trying to be, trying to be like that. And the Dodgers. Too, we'll have a lot of shuffling to do in the offseason as well with some free agents and whatnot. So, yeah, yep. this is this is going to be and one wait. for the ages. Hopefully, please don't be a blowout game in either direction. I, that's, that's all. Yeah. I'm Any for. score predictions? We want we want score predictions. Anybody? I'd, well, I, I mean, obviously, you guys are going to pick your own teams to win. Five, five one Dodgers. And then break four two Giants. 
I'm gonna say seventeen to thirteen slug. No, I'm just kidding. I have no idea. I have <laughs> no concept. Like both these pitchers could get torched, and then I don't know. Like the bullpens could like get chipped away. Like anything could happen, or it could be like a one-zero game. It's it's anybody's guess. Uh, but make sure you watch or you know continue to watch, and we'll see if we're right about this being the World Series matchup right here. If the winner of this will go ahead to take it all home. So, yeah, I think that's that's it for today. Uh, ben, I just want to thank you again for taking the time to jump on and talk with us. Mm-hmm. Give us this epic head-to-head matchup of analytical discussion. <laughs> I guess I don't I don't know. It, it, it was it was good though. It was civil. It, it was insightful. Um, do you have anything else that you wanna wanted to add before we wrap things up? Not, not really. I mean, just thanks for having me on. I mean, it's it's been an exciting season of baseball having back. I'd say, just in anything in relation to the games tomorrow, the if I'm Gabe Kapler, you're only pitching three people tomorrow: Webb, Rogers, and Duvall. That's it. If they do that, if they manage to do that, they're going to win the game. But either way, it's it's kind of hard to be disappointed with this season in general, even regardless if the Dodgers win, they won't. But uh, it's uh. I'm just I'm just grateful to have this opportunity to talk to you guys about it. It's it's been a good time. It it has been a good time. A nice long podcast for today. Ray, any final thoughts as well? Uh Ben doesn't know what a patty melt is. <laughs> this is public information now, Ray. Yes. Too far. Yes. Too if far. any if anybody wants to hear an, a great Ben story <laughs> regarding patty melts. Hey, you know what? That that's Never perfect. Back. If if anybody would like to hear some more details on <laughs> The the Ben Patty Melt story, let us know on social media, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, wherever, at Eat the Shift BP, or in the comments, or you know, YouTube comments, wherever you're listening. Uh we will be you know happy be to share. We'll be happy to share. Is that was that was before a spring training game too, so maybe we could do like a spring training episode or something. Wait whenever and then I'll t- I'll tell the story then. That, there might be a lot of a lot of strong memories being resurfaced there be careful uh, what you, you wish you for oil fans be careful no, what i you remember wish for. it too well yeah i remember it way too well yeah in any case we appreciate anybody who's still listening who made it this far you're a real one and we will see you guys next time thanks everybody one last time as always ray and ben peace oh is that we oh wait i did this last time uh, peace bye Why is there a patty in my patty milk?